Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vos. This is episode number 20 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and it is also third Tuesday television day. So today we are going to be talking about season two of Farscape on your Yachts podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mandy. How are you? I am doing quite well. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Have you taken in any non-podcast pop culture recently? Doctor Who started last weekend, and that was amazing. And that is also literally the only thing that I have watched in the last seven days that was not Farscape. <laughs> this is still Peter Capaldi? Yes, it is. It was pretty great. A, a new companion, I think I read? Yes, Pearl Mackey is the new companion. She plays Bill, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I was going to like her, but within five minutes, she had completely won me over, and I adore her. Oh, and it's nice. unusual for me to, to take to a companion so quickly, but I think it's because I hated Claire so much that anybody <laughs> I was going to like. But it was great. I did not realize how much I had missed Doctor Who, because I'm telling you, within the first five minutes, I was tearing up. It was just Aww. so, so good. It was so good. And I'm so sorry you don't like Doctor Who, and you have no idea... <laughs> how it engenders such feelings in me but it does and it was great so i think there was a superhero episode at christmas but how long has it been except for the specials since the last season the christmas special was the only episode we had in 2017 so there was another christmas special at the end of 2016 and then we had the regular season starting in april okay so it had been a really long time (laughs) maybe that's why like it made my heart so happy (laughs) don't care what the companions like they could be a sponge and we'll still be happy for it to be there yes pretty much <laughs> i i think that's that's accurate yeah so Thanks. what about you i know you moved this week so you probably haven't had a lot of time for taking in pop culture but hopefully there was something that made you happy uh yeah surprisingly so i'm in my new study uh we we have a bedroom we're converting to a study so i'm gonna be recording here uh everyone say hello to a small box from um, I we, we actually ended up uh, taking in a lot of pop culture because we were packing boxes during the day and then you just collapse and go, oh, just just put the television on, I'm done, done with boxes. Um, and, and the same in reverse with unpacking. So we finished Jessica Jones. Oh, lovely. Thoroughly enjoyed. That was really good. Um, we might check out Luke Cage. Not so sure about that yet. Um, but we also had a trip out to the theatre uh, the night before we moved. We went to see Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, uh, which is a tremendous play. It's just it's so clever. And it's it's the, the deep dive into Hamlet and, and two minor characters from Hamlet. So it's the sort of pop culture reference I enjoy seeing on TV or something. And it had Daniel Radcliffe as one of the actors, one of the characters. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. You saw Daniel Radcliffe live? I saw Daniel Radcliffe live. I was like, oh, 50 meters from him. Oh. How do you see like the best people? in? Lo- I need to move to London just to go well, to the theater yeah. in London. It's almost as though the West End's famous and like gets people off and stuff. I think David Tennant's in Don Juan in Soho at the moment. Yes, he is. But that's okay because I'm going to see him in a month and a half. Oh, of course. Here. Auntie Stuart Head is in something at the Menier, which is one of my favorite theaters. And that's why he wasn't in the Buffy Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't make it because he was doing that, um, which is really sad. They did a portrait of him instead. (laughs) You know, he would make a really good next doctor if it has to be a white dude. Yeah, there was there was a point after Eccleston, I think he was seriously in the running for it, but that never came through. I didn't know that. If if they don't do something that's not a white man, he'll just be so disappointed. It was it was fairly disappointing with Capaldi anyway. 
But at this point, everyone everyone is saying, like the chap who plays John Jones in Supergirl would be amazing for it. Or uh, you were talking about the girl from Chewing Gum being good for it. Uh-huh. Yep. There's, there's so many options out there that everyone goes, yes, that is a great person for this part. Please just give it to them. They, the, the other one at the top of my list is, oh, I can never remember his name, but um, the guy who played Moss on the IT crowd. Yes, I know who you mean. I cannot remember his name. Either. I can never remember his name. I can like see it on the paper, but I can't say it, so I'm not going to. Richard Ayade? I mean, you're not talking Chris O'Dowd, are you? No, no, no. Okay. I am talking about him. Okay. <laughs> the guy who played Moss. Okay. Um, so Richard somebody. I think he would do a pretty spectacular job, yeah. too. I didn't watch the IT crowd. Sorry. That's okay. Okay, that's right. Um, the the inspiration that I had in the week was a lady for, for Doctor Who. Um, first name Doctor, last name Who? <laughs> All right. Let's go um, <laughs> No, it was a lady called Scarlett Strallen. Um, and because I was at the theatre, that sort of thing on my mind. I've seen her in a lot of things on the West End stage, particularly Mary Poppins. She was, And she actually then ended up doing that, I think, in Broadway as well. She is a phenomenal theatrical actress um, in the style of a David Tennant or Matt Smith, and she would bring so much to it. But I, I think me campaigning for that is not going to get anyone anywhere. No, because you've made your feelings about Doctor Who quite clear on this Absolutely. podcast. <laughs> if she was in it, I would watch. And chances are, when it when the Doctor changes, I will watch it again. I will see, just, just to have seen it. I mean... Interesting. Okay. Not every episode. Right. Okay. Well, why don't we jump into our discussion and you give us a little bit of history on Farscape Season 2. <laughs> Farscape Season 2 is what we're here to talk about today, and it aired during the 2000, early 2001 television season. I added as many extra words as I could to that. There's there's not much more production info. We went into a lot of it last week about the show and, and when Farscape ran anyway. Uh, this season didn't see particularly any new characters introduced or any major changes to uh, the production, so I don't have much to report back for this week. I think that's fair. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis of this season? No. Oh. I think you should do that once again. Okay. Um, I will try to cut it down a bit from last time. Uh, this season picks up directly from the end of season one, when our uh, two of our heroes were flying in the vacuum, vacuum of space, uh, and some people had disappeared off. But it continues them on the run and continuing to hide in the uncharted territories. Uh, but Scorpius trying to track them down to get the wormhole knowledge in John's head. Yes, so this is basically the same thing as season one, except instead of running from Kreis, they're running from Scorpius. Yeah, they don't even change the opening monologue. <laughs> he no, still don't. says, I'm hunted by an insane military commander. Parentheses, not the one from last season, a new insane <laughs> military commander who's not insane. He's just really menacing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's true. Close parentheses. <laughs> you know, we, we went over this last time when we talked about Farscape 1, and I'm guessing neither of us changed how we watched the show. I'm still watching on YouTube, and you're still watching your Blu-rays, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually I watched the commentaries for the episodes this time. Uh, so there are a number of episodes that have commentary, so I might relate to some uh, relate some of them as we go through, because some really interesting ones... Um, some where it was Ben Browder and Claudia Black basically flirting for 45 minutes. <laughs> but clearly there's a lot of chemistry between them. But 
no insight into the episode. The locket was just them talking about like, oh God, look at my makeup there. Look, at, you can see my knee pads. And he's like, oh, but you're still gorgeous even when you're old. And oh, that's adorable. It's lovely, but guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about commentary. Hmm. I'll see if there's anything interesting to bring out. Um, Mandy, what did you think of season two of Farscape? I did not like season two as much as I liked season one. Okay. As a whole. As a whole. Just just less than season one, or did you not like this season? I can't say that I didn't like it, because it, it had some really good elements. Um, I, you know, I picked my favorite episode of the season pretty early on. I mm. knew that it was going to stay my favorite episode, and it did. Yeah. I really, really did like that, you know, we, we got to see some more of Dargo, and, you know, we got Jothy. That mm-hmm. was great by the end of the season. I did find that I liked Shiana more than I liked her in season one, even though sometimes I still hated her. But overall, I feel like I go to television for long, drawn-out stories. I go to television because I want to be part of the story of the characters. I want to be part of the characters' lives. Okay. And season two was so episodic that I felt like I was just getting dropped in to different parts right. of of what was happening. So I, I, it wasn't a full, whole, cohesive picture of what's happening to these people that I fell in love with in the first season. And the writing wasn't super consistent for the characters. So overall, eh. Okay. Kind of where I came out on that. <laughs> yeah. And, and even as we were uh, both watching through, you... you kept saying it's it's just it's so episodic it's not into a sort of serialized tv which i hadn't really noticed but then as we started going through the episodes and and just mentioned them we're like oh yeah actually there's very few that have a a real impact on the overarching story there's a lot you could you could skip there's a lot that you shouldn't skip because it's a great episode but a little bit like the x-files the great episodes aren't to do with the conspiracies but they're still great episodes right my favorite episode really is one that you could skip, I think. You know, I, I think you have it on the list of those that we should talk about. Yes. Honestly, it, it doesn't have anything. It has to do with character development, but it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Yeah. With the story that's being told in this season. Yeah, and even the stuff that comes out of it. Should, should we talk about it now? Let's go into it as we're here. Sure. The way we weren't. Do you want to give us a, a little overview? The way we weren't. For starters, this is the first episode this season and it's episode five of the season. This is the first episode where I felt like the characters were themselves. So it took five episodes yeah. for me to feel like I was familiar with these characters again. Mm. And so that's the first thing that I liked about it. And then I was like, okay, I'm settling in. This is going to be a great story. And then I kind of cried the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a devastating story. This is the story about how um, I think it's, Chiana, one of the crew members, finds a recording on the ship Mm -hmm. of what happened on the ship when the peacekeepers came on board and took it over and turned it into the prisoner ship. There was another pilot before this pilot that we know, and they killed it. And Aaron was one of the peacekeepers who were on the ship. It was Crace's mission. And Aaron worked for Crace at the time, and so she was there. Mm. And she didn't... 
I mean, I wouldn't expect her to her. She was a peacekeeper at the time. You know, she did her job. She did what she was supposed to do. But looking at it, you know, retroactively, the way that these guys are, all they're seeing is this woman who has become family to them betrayed them mm. and participated in the, the killing of the original pilot, the painful installation of the new pilot, Moya being hurt, the prisoners, you know, bring, being brought on board. Yeah. And she participated in all of that. And really, when I don't remember who it was, I think it was Rigel took the recording to Pilot and made Pilot watch it. Mm. And Pilot's reaction, it was the first time we've ever seen true, actual anger from Pilot. Yeah. Even when they cut off his arm in the first season, he wasn't angry. He was sad and he was disappointed, but he wasn't angry. I mean, he completely flipped out. And I don't, I mean, I don't blame him at all. Like 100%, I'm right there. But it was just heartbreaking. And watching them overcome this conflict was the reason that I go to stories and the reason why I love characters. Right. So that was not brief at all, but that's, that's what happened in this episode. This was the human reaction of season two for me. Okay. Because the human reaction was my favorite in the first season. Mm. And this is that same kind of story where you just get a lot of character growth and development and you learn about each of these people who you're watching on the screen. And I really, really liked it, even though it really hurt my heart. And the writing is just so tight on it that they go through. Everyone gets a little bit of input, but you see all the different reactions to it. You see all the thoughts going on around it. And then, like you say, Pilot has this... A really strong reaction, a surprisingly strong reaction, and that then leads to the to the understanding that part of it was him saying yes, he wants to be a pilot that caused them to take out the original pilot. Now they would have found someone, and and anyone would have put their hand up to do that, but he bears that guilt, and he's then taking that out on Aaron. And by the end, you have the the reconciliation of them all, and and him being restored back into Moya. Yeah. And, you get that sense a bit late from some of those episodes in the first season. The found family and not having secrets brings them much closer together. Yes. It was heartbreaking to learn that the way the peacekeepers installed him was unnatural. And so he was in constant pain mm. the entire time that he had been bonded with Moya. Yeah. And that that was just awful. My appreciation for the character of Pilot just rose with this episode. And like I said in the last time we talked about Farscape, any show that can make me have feelings for puppets is yeah. doing something right. Mm. Just thinking about it is making me want to tear up because it was just <laughs> so good and so emotional and so powerful, and I loved it. And, and bringing us back to the start of this conversation, it's a really significant episode, and it has this implication of, of something for the future where they talk about now he's installed without pain, it's going to take time to reestablish the connection, but it's going to be much better in the future. That never gets returned to. There's no real uh, reference of, oh, now I have this understanding, I'm able to do this better, or, oh, I, I can't do that yet because Moira and I are still learning each other again. Right. So it's a wonderful episode, but it doesn't impact uh, the larger season. Right. And you're right saying this is, it is a great episode. And it's uh, the one, one one of my friends who watched this at the same time when it was on British TV, this was the episode that turned him. Uh, I remember Pete phoning me that evening going, you have to watch it. He knew I'd, I think I'd recorded it and was going to watch it later. He's like, you have to watch it. It's amazing. It's just such a great episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It has nothing to do with the rest of the season 
at all. Yeah. But it it was such a good story, such good writing. The performances were fantastic. I mean, Aaron's guilt was palpable. Like it felt like you could reach out through the screen and just like touch her guilt from what she was feeling. Mm. And an actor who can do that is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. All the way through, she, she pulls off these, these really heavy emotional points uh, really well. Uh, one of the things that they said in the commentary was she had to learn uh, a, a good skill of crying without the tears coming because they use water-based makeup with her. So oh. she, had, she had to always hold the tears in her eyes. And apparently she got really good by later on in the season where, with some of those running ones where she could have a tear in her eye and run and do a battle and shoot someone and then start crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. interesting. Talent. <laughs> Yeah, she is very talented. Claudia mm. Black is, is pretty great. But the, the season as a whole, having a look at the IMDb ratings was, was quite interesting because the bottom five episodes, four of them come from this season. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and and the, the one at the bottom, Taking the Stone. Chiana goes on a drug trip, <sighs> early life crisis thing. It's a bit weird. That That is rated 6.2 on average. And the next lowest, Dream a Little Dream and Home on the Remains, are rated 6.7. Like, it's actually quite a bit lower than the rest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a weird episode. And I didn't like it. But 14 of the episodes from season two are in the top half of the list of IMDb ratings for Farscape. Yeah, I think that's weird too. So it has some significant episodes that people go, God, this is terrible. Do not watch these episodes. They're really bad, which uh, mostly I would agree with. Vitas, Vitas Mortis is, as well is, is not a good episode. It's very obvious what's going to happen all the way through. Um, but even the episodes that are uh, episodic are good sci-fi ideas. So, so they run with them and actually turn them into something quite good, despite it not being part of an overarching plot. Okay, that's fair. And just looking at the list now, top five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, the top eight are pretty much all ones that have ties into other episodes. So things that have come back from previous or go into next. So they are part of the wider world. And then you get to the way we weren't. So that's the first one that I would say isn't impacted by anything else we learn elsewhere. Okay, I I can see that. Mm. Because, I mean, like I said, that's what I go to television for is for those you know, long implicating episodes, the things that, that tie together. Yeah. I mean, that's what I go to books for too. I love reading a book series where you stay in that world for a really long time, especially if it's one of those series where the main character changes throughout the book. And so you're in the same universe, but you're getting a different perspective. Mm. Those are my very, very favorite types of books because I want to be in the world, but I want to be fully in the world and kind of see what's going on and not just be dropped in and see a little snippet here and a little snippet here and a little snippet there. Yeah. And like you say, it's good when it's from all different angles. So you're seeing what everyone's take on something is. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, that's actually why I really liked the episode, The Ugly Truth. Mm. Because that's that's an example where you see the same thing happening from everybody's perspective yeah in, in a really neat slightly way. different mm-hmm. um you know with the exception of, of stark because he was actually lying i think yeah. one of them was i'm pretty sure it was stark was actually lying when they told their story but everybody else the story that they told of what they saw was pretty close to mm-hmm. the same 
But the way they saw it was different. Like in some of them, you know, Dargo was very calm and, and just kind of saying, well, I won't be a party to this. And other people saw him saying the exact same words, but he was in a rage and yelling. And, and sometimes, you know, Crichton was being his normal, clever, reasonable self. And other times he was saying the same words, but he was being his weird, cocky, like, Tennessean self, which is kind of <laughs> yeah. weird whenever they, they pulled that out a lot this season. Yeah. You know, and so that, I mean, the story itself was stupid. Yes. <laughs> to me, because it was so clear what had happened. Like, from the beginning, like, I, I never had a doubt in my mind that Talon shot that that uh, thing down on his own. Hmm. Never had a doubt in my mind. I knew that is what happened. And so watching them all tell the story over and over again and try to, you know, protect everybody, including Talon... Like, it was a little frustrating because I felt like I wasn't learning anything, but it was entertaining. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I really like in that the way they help you see that everyone remembers things slightly differently because when they're the protagonist in the story, they come off as the, the darker one you mentioned. He, he makes a comment and it's always quite in going, you are right. Yeah, I am down with that. And it's Dargo coming up with the solutions. When it's Zana's the protagonist, she's she's making comments like, Oh, the Beclovians, yeah, they're they're very advanced and very sophisticated and trying to they're trying to <laughs> placate everyone in the room. <laughs> right, right. You know, an interesting thing about that, and I meant to go back and look at this and see if this was actually true. When Zan when we were seeing it from Zan's perspective, every time we saw her face in her flashback where she was the main character, mm-hmm. she had so much more makeup on. Like her eyelashes were dark and black and, and like big. And then when we went back to anybody else's scene that had her, or when we were watching her be interrogated, she had her normal makeup on. Okay. And I thought that was interesting. And, and I, I'll be honest with you. I totally could have made it up just because they were, you know, the lighting was a little bit different, but I, I picked up on it and I was like, that's interesting that, that maybe she sees herself that way because it, I only noticed it in the story that she was telling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back and have a look at that and see that they overemphasize it. And perhaps it's because that was the day they shot that she was going to be front and center of all the scenes. So they did the makeup slightly differently, but that's, that's a really nice catch. If it's actually a catch. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Because I want it to be true. It's such a nice idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's have a quick chat about some of the larger things. I, I want to go back to something you said about uh, enjoying Chiana more this episode. Uh, and if we're talking about characters, is there anything that you can say this has changed or she's grown or she's different from how she was in season one uh, that makes you like her more now? She is more of the family, more of the crew now than she was in season one. In season one, she's still, even by the end of it, even though she was sad when things happened to people, she still was kind of apart from everybody. Mm. And in this season, she was there. I mean, she was right there with everybody. She she cared about everybody. She wanted to save people. You know, she had the idea of going to the mine colony to get food so that Zan wouldn't die. She, okay, I hate her with Dargo. <laughs> I do. It got better by the end, but she was becoming, I don't know the best way to say it, other than to say she was actually becoming one of them instead of being apart from them. Right. And and so that that helped me enjoy her more. She still had, towards the end, I mean, like I said, everybody was written a little bit inconsistently in this season. So in the very beginning of the season, you still had her being 
well, you had her being completely different because everybody was completely different in <laughs> Mind the Baby than they were in the finale of season one, which was ridiculous because they literally picked up right after each other. Yeah. But then, you know, you had Shiana, you know, we got to dream a little dream and, and Shiana's doing everything she, she can to save Zan and she's really like upset at the idea that, that Zan is going to be left behind. And then you just kind of keep keep going and, and then you we learn about who she is. We learn about her brother. Mm-hmm. And how she lost her brother. And then we get later on in the season to the Clockwork Nabari episode. And that's the episode I think that solidified it for me. Okay. Because we just get to see Chiana as a person rather than just a supporting character, I think. Yeah. And so I felt like I could relate to her a little bit more. Does any of that make sense at all? Yeah, absolutely. It it makes me want to go and watch Dream a Little Dream. One of the behind the scenes thing is Dream a Little Dream was was written as the season intro. And it would end with them getting back to, to save. And then we'd have another episode seeing what happened. So it was actually production number one. It was the first one they filmed. Okay. But they then decided to rejig it and just put it later in the season. So they had to film extra episodes for it and so on. Okay. But I've never watched it going Dream Little Dream into Mind the Baby. So that would be quite interesting to see. Is there something in the writing or something they changed because it came later in the season in the end? Or do they tie together? But yeah, the fact that she gets a a proper episode of her own, taking the stone whilst it is her episode, she largely mopes for most of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) She was not Shiana in that episode. That was... I, that was just a crazy, crazy episode. And, and yeah, Clockwork and Nabari is, uh, for me, it's one of the best episodes of the season. It's it's a, a lot of fun in a lot of ways, but it does some really clever stuff with the wider Farscape universe. This idea of what the Nabari are up to and, oh, there's a resistance and her brother's leading it, even though we thought he was dead. And she wants to help, but she can't. So she needs to keep safe for now. I like that sort of scene setting. Yeah, it was it was a good episode for world building and for Shiana's character development. Mm. I I liked it. Yeah. It was hard to watch at times just because crazy Nabari woman, don't remember her name. Debbie Harry? Just really likes to torture people (laughs) for no good reason. Just like, oh, you're not in pain right now and you should be. Yeah, she actively doesn't like Gianna. That that was hard. Mm. It was a really good episode. I don't, I haven't given any thought to what my top episodes are besides The Way We Weren't, but Clockwork Nabari would probably be up there. And like you say, she gets a lot closer to Dargo during the season, <laughs> which is, it's fine as a relationship because, yeah, why not? It's an interesting pairing, but it's not great, but they, they keep running with it for, for a long time. You get a lot of flirtatious build-up, and then a lot of them having great sex. <laughs> and then at the end, it starts getting really, really serious, and you can see that for her, it's a different relationship than it is for him. Yeah. I, I like that. Yes, it is two young people having fun. And then they start realizing, actually, this is not necessarily going to go where they both want or deliver on what they both want from it. So uh, we still have that to deal with. But I quite like the, the build up to it and the, the long establishment of it. I actually really hated it at first mm. because I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I want Dargo and Zan to be together. Okay. I do. It's obvious that that was a possibility at some point. Yeah. Yeah, the premiere leans on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you could see it happening in season one, and then it actually makes more sense now that Dream a Little Dream was filmed first because you have that vision, Zan's vision of Dargo kissing her. Yeah, and he's already with Chiana at this point, and so mm-hmm. it makes more sense that 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 would have come prior to that. But when I saw that, I was like, yes, those are the two who should be together, not Dargo and Chiana. <laughs> like their sex life irritated the crap out of me. <laughs> 
don't know why. I just, I didn't like them together. By the end of the season, I did like them. And it did, as you've already referenced, it did give the hands-down funniest line from the entire season. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I can only speak truth. And that comes as good and bad news. All right. Give me the bad news first. The bad news is that you're married. And you must endure as a statue for 80 cycles in a strange world. What's the good news? Jenner and I are having fantastic sex. Like, I had to pause. I was laughing so hard that that came from Dargo. And then we wouldn't have had that if he wasn't with Chiana, you know? And then by the end, I was really seeing how much they cared for one another Mm. until the last episode when I got really pissed off. Like, really pissed off. Her dalliance with Joffy. Yes. Or not, it's not a dalliance, but they're just hinting at it, aren't they? I, ugh, I yeah, was not okay yeah. with that. Not okay with that at all. But yeah, she's she's not into a relationship of settling down and, and then thinks she wants to have fun. And he's, I think to her, the most eligible on the ship, so why not? Um, I don't know that I would say that. Mm-hmm. He could have been with Zan and he picked Shiana. You know, and I think he has honestly fallen... I mean, he's fallen in love enough with her to say, I'm not going to choose between you and my son, who I haven't been in his life for 10 years, so come marry me so we can all be together. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a big deal for Dargo. Mm -hmm. But I love that, the the line you just had. It it really does show Dargo as such a quality character that he knows exactly what to say to him. He says, you know, the bad news, blah, blah, blah. And then the good news, nothing to do with John, because there is no good news, but it's to get John going for for that moment of being turned into a statue. It's it's such a moment of quality from Dargo. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It, it, is it almost a three beat? Because you've got John walking in on them and then going straight out because he didn't realise they were in Flagrante. Right. And then I think the next episode, he walks in on them and he just sits next to them and starts talking while they're going at it. And then finally it's Dargo says it to him and, sit and <laughs> makes it completely open. We're fine to talk about it because, yeah, we're having some great sex. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I kind of thought the second one did did that too, considering mm. you don't really quite realize Dargo's there and, until his head comes out from under the blanket. <laughs> and then he's just like talking to John. I don't remember what he says. You know, it's it's something I, – I don't even know. It was – Distracted by Chiana's gray yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, you're right. That is a three beat. I don't mm. usually pick up on three beats because – I'm just not looking for them, but yeah. But of course, they're not our uh, one to repairing. No. John and Aaron's relationship is slightly frustrating because it's all... That's one way to put it. It's all build up and, and no delivery, um, which is one, another way to put it. Do you have thoughts on that? Do you, do you like where it went, where it ended up, the two of them? I was actually a little surprised by this season because mm. it in season one, it was really just hinted at. It was never really a thing yeah except for in the human reaction where they did actually have sex yeah and then we never really talked about it again except for that one little throwaway comment you know it was just kind of they set it up we knew that this is what the show was going to go for full stop mm-hmm. season two they kept going back and forth on it mm. like we always knew they were going to get together but they kept putting them in these places where they were almost there and then they bring us back and then they were almost there again and then they bring us back and in the locket it was very very clear to me 
I don't know yeah. if it was to anybody else, but it was super clear to me that it was a picture of John that was in her locket yeah. <laughs> when she's telling him, well, go ahead, you know, go ahead and look at it. It's, it's, it's my husband. It's, you know, the one true love of my life. And he's mm. like, well, no, I'm not going to open it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm I don't like, want to see his ugly face. <laughs> it's totally you, John. Come on. And then after she dies, he opens it and figures it out and blah, blah, blah. And then time resets and they don't remember any of it. Yeah. <laughs> they lived together for 50 years and he had discovered that he was the love of her life and they don't remember any of it. Yeah, it's so frustrating. <laughs> and then the look at the princess arc. I mean, well... come on. John's totally the Riker here. <laughs> As always. <laughs> and Aaron gets so jealous and so jealous and... And doesn't even show up for the the so-called wedding Mm. and is off getting hurt with another dude because she's just (laughs) trying to show her tail because she's jealous. Yeah. In in another plot line that doesn't do anything. Right. Like there was no reason for that to be there other than for her to be finally realizing how she feels about John but still not doing anything about it. I did. I did read the thing that the look at the princess arc was a a really solid two episodes, but they wanted to have it as three, so they wrote more content for it. That's stupid. That story could have been so much better in yeah, two episodes. Yeah, it would have been really solid. And, and there's a, I think the stuff in there with oh the stuff with Zan, yes, of course, uh, and Moya's gods. That you go, oh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this over such a long time? I kind of well, I liked that story, but mm. it did. It took far more time to tell than it should have. Yeah, absolutely. But with with Aaron and John, you know, mm-hmm. after look at the princess and and they both kind of acknowledge at the end of it that they both have feelings for each other, but then they still go on about their day. You know, I mean, they do the nectar to see if they're compatible, and clearly they are. Yeah. But they don't acknowledge it. You know, yeah. they just both walk away from each other with these big smiles on their faces, and then we never. My smile from Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, in in the last arc, we get John is slowly losing his mind to Scorpius, and we they finally say "I love you" to each other. Except John loses control, oh. and then all of a sudden, it's not really John, and and then he doesn't remember that any of that happened, and then Aaron dies, and they never got to say they love each other, and oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's just so frustrating. Although, caveat, there's no way Aaron's staying dead. Like, okay. I, I don't believe it. Like, I did not cry. I am not sad because that that's not a thing that's going to happen in this world. Just by the way. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can hashtag no comment me, but I do not believe that she is actually dead and is not in season three and four of this show. I don't believe it. So if... <laughs> <laughs> if we go into season three and she's not there, what are you going to do? I don't know. You're that adamant. I'm very adamant about it. I don't believe that she actually died. Okay. Um, I don't. You get that there was a whole funeral with a Requiem for Aaron. Like, the music is called Requiem for Aaron. Yeah. But I don't okay. believe okay. she dead. I mean, come on, she died once in the season already, and then that didn't happen. That got undone. Yeah, true. It's the same sort of thing we talked about, or I, I talked about, because I talked about a lot of stuff on the Superman episode. But there are times when you do so much to a world. You know, when your two lead actors, lead characters, suddenly age 50, 100 years or something, you're going to undo that somehow. <laughs> right. See, I, well, I knew it was going to be undone. I, I didn't know how, and, and frankly... The science of that episode was horrible, yeah. but I knew she wasn't going to stay dead and that John wasn't going to stay old. So, <laughs> With his I... really deep South accent. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I'm too old for this ship. 
which makes no logical sense, by the way, because he spent 50 years. I mean, he had already been away from that accent for, you know, a couple years at this point. Yeah. And then he goes and spends 50 years with Aaron and Who her speaks people. speaks an English accent. <laughs> right. So how did all of a sudden his southern accent become so much more pronounced? Makes no sense. Ben Browder on the commentary said, uh, old people's accents get much stronger. So that's what he went with. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm not sure about that, Ben. Let's go back. Let's talk about John and Aaron a bit. Because uh, <sighs> we went on a tangent with Aaron dying. She's not dead. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a really nice uh, sort of repetitive thing that goes on, which which hammers home right at the end. It, at her funeral, he takes a knife and cuts off a lock of her hair. And that's been the thing all the way through. She scented her hair, uh, which she says she did, did it because she wanted to, but... There is a flirty thing of she did it for him. And there's a bit with them sat in Pilot's Den and he's playing with her hair and and all this kind of thing all the way through. And that then builds up to that's sort of his connection with her. It's it's so subtle, but so lovely. And you talked about how Aaron said, I love you to John, finally. And one of the great bits from the commentary is they said, that's not just the first time she said it to him. That's the first time Aaron has ever said this because of her upbringing and her background. And it's right. not even John at that point. We as the audience know it's Scorpius. And she's saying it and, and he's not going to remember. He doesn't know what's going on. It's 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 heartbreaking so much. I need to know because your reaction and, and am I going to feel really bad because I didn't cry? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I'm worried. This might be the bit that answers the question at the end of, are you going to watch any of season three? Like. <laughs> Well, yes, I'm watching the first episode now. (laughs) Well, because am I going to be really upset that I didn't cry? (laughs) You can't answer that question, can you? Okay, now I'm worried. I mean, I mean, I could. I could tell you what happens. Don't. But now, now I'm worried that I'm a heartless bitch. Um. Okay. Okay. So she says, "I love you" to him. It's not even him. It's the first time she's ever said, I love you. Do you have any reaction to that? Well, it it depends. <laughs> my reaction to it was being frustrated that they were having this conversation because they're still not going to get together because it's only season two and your people don't get together when, you know, early in the show. That's okay. just not what they do. And so I was frustrated. But if she's really dead, then all of that changes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the last of the pairings for this season is uh, you mentioned you wanted Zahn and Dargo to get together but of course Zahn has a, has a kind of boyfriend flirty thing going on now with Stark um, no we... <laughs> no no he doesn't stop that it's silly Honestly, Stark just needs to go away and not come back. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, That's how I feel about don't that. Don't like Stark at all? No. The the character, the metaphysical thing, what what's your The character. Mm. I I don't understand him, I think is really what it is. Like he doesn't really seem to serve a purpose at all. We get Jothy back because of him, which is hey great. But other than that, no, nothing that he does is useful or helpful or really does it matter. And so I just don't, I don't like him. Okay. I mean, he's not a bad person. I just don't like him. Okay. So Zahn can't be with him. No. Okay. I'm, I'm not down with that. Okay. Cool. Let's move on then. Um, the big, 
the big arc of this season is Scorpius tra- chasing after them, but the neural clone in Crichton's head, which actually wasn't the plan originally. They had to put together an episode in, in a really short space of time, so they had Crackers Don't Matter, which had Scorpius in a Hawaiian shirt. Go on, John, do it, then we can go to the beach. I'm in a place with naked Sebastian girls and margarita shooters. <laughs> And apparently they enjoyed that so much they wanted more interactions with with Scorpius. They came up with this idea of, of he put a chip in his head that would have a clone in there. And, and actually from then, it's a really slow build. You get John being slightly psychotic at times and, and not quite on, a, on an even keel. And then you have these appearances of Scorpius that may or may not be him imagining things or hearing things. He can't kill Scorpius when he has the opportunity to, and, and you finally get to Won't Get Fooled Again, where right. the clone appears to him and tells him what's going on, although he won't remember it. So it, it gives him the opportunity to bring it up again and again and remind everyone until the very end where the, the chip gets cut out and leave John with his head open on a table not able to speak. Did you like that arc? Did you like the way they use Scorpius? I really liked fake Scorpius. Mm-hmm. He was funny, and he was more open and engaging. And yes, okay, he drove John crazy, literally. (laughs) As a character, he was funny. I liked him. And I remember thinking, before we found out who he was, he was one of those characters. I was like, wow, they're really writing these people inconsistently, because this is not the same Scorpius that we had in season one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, his mannerisms are different. The way he talks is different. His face his facial expressions are different, which is hard to see with the makeup and the, mm. the bondage hat. But, but he's much more animated. Very. Yeah. And then it was so interesting to me when we finally got the real Scorpius later in the season, how the difference between the two, how that actor played them. Because it's so clear when you see one versus the other that yeah. one is actually real and the other one is just in John's mind. Because he's so mean and creepy and just awful. <laughs> in real life and then the other one is still creepy and and kind of mean and crazy but he's also very animated and very funny and and teasing almost yeah and so i i really liked it just because of the talent that was behind the writing and the acting and and everything that happened yeah everything in the portrayal is really really good it comes off like you say so strongly um and it's it's a really clever idea to have your villain around a lot of the time being useful but not actually being a threat right it was a good way to have scorpius be around i was wondering how that was going to work because i knew obviously you guys spoiled me a little bit that scorpius was going to stick around for a while because (laughs) he was people's favorite character even though we only got him in like two episodes in season one he has that wonderful intro yeah this was a really good way to have Scorpius around without necessarily being that threat, like you said, without constantly being actively trying to kill them, Mm. which just gets tiresome sometimes. Yeah, insane military commander. Right. So it was... was, uh, I liked it. I did. It's probably worth going through the list of episodes. Um, We've mentioned quite a few already, but there's a couple that might be worth diving into. The opening of the season is Mind the Baby that picks up exactly from where we were. Uh, your, your sort prediction. of exactly yes it, half an hour later you had a prediction that everyone would survive and end up back on moya yay i was right i think you get 10 <laughs> internet points for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
But other than that, it takes a few episodes to actually resolve things properly. I don't know that things actually get resolved from that. I mean, they really just kind of did a hand-wavy thing, and all of a sudden, yeah. everybody's alive and on the ship, and then we're just moving on. Yeah, I mean, like like you were saying about everyone back to the characters we knew. Yeah. Yeah, we don't okay. get that from the beginning. It takes a while for them to, to settle into a routine, as it were. Yeah. Okay. We have the episode Crackers Don't Matter. That was the one that has Scorpius peering. Finish him! Then we can go to that little Italian joint I know. <laughs> um, I love Crackers Don't Matter. We're going to have a theme through here. I like a sort of alternate universe body swap, you know, crazy kind of episode. Um, and there are a few in this season. Crackers Don't Matter was weird to me. Mm-hmm. Everyone on the ship goes a bit bit nuts. Is the general plot yes. for everyone. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think I was on track to like this one, but the way that all of the characters went nuts, I hated because they got mean to each other. Crichton calls Shiana a slut. Things like mm-hmm. that. I called Aaron frigid and a skank. You know, and so when when, when that sort of yeah. thing happens, it just kind of pushes me out. Okay. And so I could have really liked this episode, but I didn't because I didn't like who these characters were while they were going through this thing. But John's hallucination of Scorpius was hilarious. Mm. And he, even just the reactions he gives to everyone when he starts asking for his ice cream, <laughs> which is so <laughs> random, and the bit of bit of Aaron pushing this giant table to block a door off, and then the the episode ends with everyone on the crew having to get together to move it because they can't lift it. <laughs> right, right. It's it's yeah. I I really like some of the little moments of it. That's fair. Um, we've talked a lot about the way we weren't, um, and it is absolutely a high point. It's it's such a terrific episode. Um, that's one. It's not relevant to watch, but everyone should go and find that one out. And then we come to Out of Their Minds, which uh, is an easy high point of the season for me. Everyone gets body swapped, then everyone gets body swapped again to someone else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay, we did actually skip several episodes in there, and the ones we're skipping are ones that you just don't think we should talk about at all? I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> no, I, I've picked out the episodes that I think are worth mentioning, um, particularly if they have something to do with the overarching season or are worth mentioning just for their pure quality. Okay, well then I am totally fine skipping Picture If You Will and Home on the Remains, but I did like Dream a Little Dream, and so I just want to say that because it was like a buddy cop comedy with Rigel and Shiana, and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was it was a little bit heartbreaking, but it also gave a little bit of backstory about what happened um, while they were searching for Aaron and Dargo and John after the events of last season. And so we get a little bit of that story, which I liked. But, I mean, it was a Rigel and Shiana buddy comedy, and it was great. On on a planet where 90% of the population is a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you're caught lying when you're representing somebody, you get executed too. Yeah. <laughs> So Shiana trying to keep Rigel from lying was pretty spectacular. Yeah. It was great. So I'm just going to plug it that, you know, it is completely irrelevant to the entire season. It has nothing to do with the story mm-hmm. plot of the season, but it's fun. Yes, it is. It is quite fun, even though they, they end up winning it by lying, if I remember correctly. But that's what makes it so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrific. By lying about being truthful. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> But the next is Out of Their Minds, which was an amazing story. I was having a really bad week uh, when I watched this, and Mm. a body swap story was just what I needed to help lift my spirits. Because you guys, I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I can't even talk about it without laughing. It's amazing. So you get to see Claudia Black being Rigel. You get to see Claudia Black being Crichton. You get to see, you know, Ben Browder being Rigel. And <laughs> my favorite thing is Claudia Black playing Crichton, telling Rigel, who is in Crichton's body, how to pee. Yeah. Without hurting himself. I mean, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. I mean, all of the funny things were ridiculously stupid. Like, you know, when John was in, in Aaron's body and and he realized all of a sudden he had boobs and that was hysterical. <laughs> it was great watching them nail the mannerisms of each other hmm. was pretty amazing. It was awesome. Yeah, that bit of Chiana in Dargo's body seducing <laughs> Rigel in John's body <laughs> to try and get off the ship because it's such a crazy situation. It's, yeah. And there's no point in that scene. It doesn't do anything again. But why not? <laughs> yeah, it was it was good times, you guys. A good body swap episode can be amazing. And this one was pretty amazing. That's followed up by Look at the Princess. Well, it's followed up by another episode that we won't mention. Um, it's followed up by a three-parter, <laughs> Look at the Princess, which we've talked a bit about. Um, and, and it does have, again, some nice sci-fi ideas going on. And it particularly has the introduction of the Scarens, who, minor spoiler, but they are a big part of the, the Farscape universe. And they're, again, quite an imposing alien race. Yeah, I liked finally having them introduced because I remember thinking, I've heard this name before, and I think that Scorpius is half Sebastian, half Scarin, but I'm not Absolutely, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out that's true. So I'm really glad that we finally got to see who they are and and this is not the only time that we see them, but it was it was nice to just have that more world building and to kind of understand Scorpius a little bit more and kind of what's going on with him. Mm. And, and again, it really gets into what's going on with the chip in John's head. It's quite funny going back and seeing how the Scaran, the quality of the Scaran animatronic head evolves, because that gets a lot better. It's not particularly well lip synced at this point, but they do improve it every time they appear. Next episode is Beware of the Dog, which is a fun episode. It does nothing. Oh, but it was sad. <laughs> it was sad. Little the ET little dude. Guy, yeah. yeah, little guy died. He was like Dobby. He was the Farscape version of Dobby. That is exactly what my partner said when we were watching it. He had Dobby ears. And he was amazing. And they killed him. And it was very sad. Yeah. But it was pointless and had nothing to do with anything. I mean, it was also stupid until it was very sad. (laughs) So the next one is One Get Fooled Again, which is probably my favorite for the season. Okay. It's so clever. And you have to know the show to, to really get into it and to enjoy it. John is captured by a scammer and tortured by being presented with a fake history where his Farscape module just crashed on Earth. But all the people he has met since start turning up in situations you wouldn't expect them. Zahn is his therapist. Aaron is the doctor at the hospital he's being treated in. And it just gets crazier as the episode goes on. It's funny, it's funny, it keeps escalating on itself. And then suddenly you introduce John's mother, who's never really been mentioned. That was a low blow. It's it's hard because you you see her and he's shocked to see her. And you can see it's it's having an impact on him. And the next time she appears, she's in a hospital gown, clearly undergoing chemotherapy and looking terrible. And, and it starts informing your history of, of him and uh, his mother. And it's just in amongst all this craziness of uh, Crace in high heels quoting from <laughs> The Wizard of Oz. 
<laughs> as a police officer arresting him. And he says, he reads him his Miranda right. You have the right to the remainder of a signed attorney. If you cannot afford one, top noogies. You can make one phone call. I recommend Trixie. Nine seven six triple five. love Do you understand these rights as I have explained them to you? Well, do you, punk? And he drives off. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But then there's these really hard bits in there. Oh, yeah. The the close-up of Crichton's face as his dying, sick, cancer-ridden mother mm. is begging him and, like, reaching out for him and, and begging him to come to her. And he is just crying and screaming, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Because he knows it's not real. Yeah. But it feels real. The close-up on his face, it broke my heart. He, these guys are really great actors, Mm. you know, for a a kitschy sci-fi show from the nineties that only lasted for four seasons. There's some incredible talent going on here. Yeah. It's pretty spectacular. That thing that Ben Browder does, the absolutely pained expression, he's going all red and tears running down. You see that coming back because he's so good at it. They make him do that a lot. So Scorpius torturing him at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like that episode, and particularly because it gives us the revelation about what the Scorpius sightings have been. So it's nice to reveal, so it's important for the whole plot. We've talked a little bit about the locket. Did you want to add anything to our discussion on that? No, because the only, I mean, the only purpose that the locket served was to further Aaron and John's relationship. Mm. And then it doesn't. <laughs> and then it doesn't, yeah. exactly. I will say, though, I am keeping thought stocks for these episodes just so that I can go back to them when we're having the conversation, even though we don't actually link to these in the show notes. My number two thought for this episode was written right after Erin finally came back on the comms and she's coming out of the mist. My number two thought was prediction. Erin is old. (laughs) I knew what the story was going to be about. I don't. I don't know if it was just really that formulaic or if I'm just that awesome. She, she's she got that old person driving of the shuttle pod, sort of weaving its way <laughs> right, into <right>. Moya. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, that that's really the only thing I have to say is I totally knew that she was going to be old and they undid the whole episode. So it doesn't even matter because it didn't happen. Yeah. We've also mentioned The Ugly Truth, particularly big for the plot because it shows Talon getting bigger, getting stronger, but also a little less controllable and in using his cannons. Yep. Yeah, it's a very strong episode for, for the writing of the characters to understand people a bit deeper, but it doesn't actually do too much. So Stark was in uh, the locket, because my first thought there yes. was, Stark, where'd he come from? <laughs> yeah, so he was he just in the locket. <laughs> a, a bit like John is just captured by a scaven. We don't know yes. how, we don't know where, we don't know for how long. It just is a thing that's happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of, of this episode, which is his second episode back, He's dispersed, and I wrote, Stark's not dead. People's reaction to his character mean he's coming around more. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys um, are awesome at, at telling us what you like, but that also means that I learn things that maybe I shouldn't learn yet. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Give me the reactions. It's fine. I will pass on <laughs> what, what I can comment on. After this, I didn't put Clockwork Nabari on the list. But it's another one for, for me that's a favourite this season because everyone acts so wacky and, and in very different ways. Again, it's got some great lines and great moments, but it has that uh, little thing about the uh, the Nabari uh, uh, seeming to want to destroy everyone in the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah. kind of a big thing. We don't yeah. come back to it in this season. No. But I, I assume it'll be a thing later because 
eventually Chiana and her brother have to be reunited. So, like, mm. this Nabari resistance thing has to come up again. Yeah, I mean, they do a lot of setup for it, so. What I really want to know in this mm. episode is why does Crichton assume that if all of the negative things were taken out of his mind, if he were cleansed, that he would basically be stoned? See, I never quite read it as he's stoned he's just a surfer dude at that point which is not necessarily a, a separate thing if you've got the hanging out <laughs> on the beach with his guitar around a campfire thing erin is particularly the one who's doped up as anything but it's it, it really menacing when she talks to dargo at the end she's just going oh well that's strange they said you were ill like oh she's really creepy <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, they were all kind of really creepy because they all ended up being this kind of like deadpan, stoic, not really any emotion, just mm-hmm. very, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Very agreeable. Mm-hmm. And so rather than John trying to do that to make people think he's been cleansed, he becomes this like stoned surfer dude. <laughs> and it just, it didn't make sense to me. That's all. But Crichton really didn't make a lot of sense to me at all this season, so I don't know. It was just an odd choice. That's that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, but then we get into the second three parts of the season, which leads straight into uh, almost a direct follow-up straight away. Liars, Guns and Money has a lot of work to do, but they have three episodes to do it in, so actually it's quite easy. Did you have any thoughts on the three-parter? We see a change in Aaron coming into this three-parter. In season one, and in a lot of season two, we're used to Aaron having more emotion her hair is usually down and flowing Mm -hmm. she's she's not hard she's warm she's which is strange because she started out as a very hard peacekeeper but she became a very warm character Mm. and going into this i noticed that over the last few episodes and particularly starting in this one and in the three-parter aaron has become really hard her hair is pulled back very severely Mm. she's wearing more leather it's just it's very harsh and I, I don't really understand why they did that it didn't make sense because that's not really who she is and i don't understand what happened to her over the course of the season to make that happen i think it's very much an aesthetic choice uh, the two lead characters are both in leather in black um which is quite an interesting one you don't often put your good guys in black and she still has that well she now wears that kind of crop top jacket thing i i said it was a, a show that has a lot of sexy not not sexy sexy but it's a lot of people show a lot of skin, very form-fitting things. It's a very good-looking show. It, well, it is. But she moved into wearing this like long sleeve, like almost a duster. It wasn't really as long as a duster, but it was a very long jacket. I mean, she was very covered up once oh, we got to these. It's Evan, and, and she's wearing the coat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. John, John has a coat in season three that's even better, but Aaron's coat is wonderful in this. That that there's a moment in the the big shootout at the end of the three parter, um, and she flies out into a corridor, gunning dudes down, and the coat's flying behind her. That's a hero moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's Angel sweeping into the uh, the alleyway with the coat behind him, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember in the last? episode where we talked about Farscape, I got really excited about how this show didn't fall victim to the trope of their characters not talking to each other to drive conflict. Mm. They shit all over that in this three-parter. Yeah? And I was a little bit upset about it. Which Um, bits particularly are you thinking? 
a lot of it, honestly, it you know, Stark had this giant plan and he did very mm-hmm. poor at communicating why he was there, what the plan was, how they were going to get Jothi back. And then even once they moved into Jothi was back and now they have to save Crichton, he still, he, he was losing his mind at that point and wasn't really being upfront with people about what the plan was and what he wanted to do. Breaking into the bank, he wasn't really telling them what was happening and they were waiting for him to open the doors and, and he's losing his mind and... Like, they just, they just weren't talking to each other, and I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I will agree with that definitely for this three-parter. It's a lovely setup that they go back and get some of the guys they've dealt with in previous episodes, particularly in Season 1. Like, oh, we need the, these guys we tangled with because we need their skill at this thing. Yeah. I really like that idea. And, and like you were saying at the beginning, it's nice to feel like part of a larger world and see how things progress. Yeah. But yeah, they don't talk to each other, and there's a lot of backstabbing, snipping sort of things going on. Uh, which can be quite frustrating. It's an easy way for them to drive conflict in a TV show. You're right. Right. It's it's an easy way, not a good way. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a little frustrated with that because they had done it so well in, in the yeah. first season. Like I said in, in the last Farscape episode, it's how Lost ran for most of its run. Just no one talks <laughs> to each other and that's how we don't know what's going on. Yeah. It gets a bit tiresome after a while. There was a fun little line where, I guess, this came before Firefly did, so I'm going to assume that this line came first, and Firefly kind of took the idea from them. But there was a great little line between Aaron and Crichton where John says to Aaron, if he catches me, you know what to do. And she said, yeah, I know, shoot you. And John said, no, shoot him. (laughs) And it immediately made me think of, of Mal and Jane. And well, I guess uh, Ma- it was Malin, Serenity, not, not Firefly. Uh, Zoe. Oh, yeah, they they did it too. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. on Firefly, it's got an even better follow-up where she goes, "What risk my ship?" <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, it was a great line. Yeah, and it made me laugh. I still don't understand, and and this never really got answered. I mean, I get that the default answer is because he's got a chip in his head, but I don't really understand how that chip means that Scorpius can control Crichton and conversely how Crichton was sort of controlling Scorpius like I didn't really understand what was happening there and it was very confusing some of this will out as the show goes on but particularly it's because there is a a, a version of Scorpius in the chip that's controlling John okay so it, it really is just the easy answer of there's a chip in his head that's yeah. related to Scorpius it's so... not yeah Scorpius is not controlling him through the chip it's there is a Scorpius in the chip if that makes sense he's not doing like Jedi mind trick type <laughs> it seemed very Jedi mind trick. Yeah, I, I can see how you read that. Like, come here, John. Come here, John. And John is fighting it, and he's like moving one step at a time. And so it very much appears as if Scorpius is telling him what to do. He's trying to fight it, but he can't. Like it's yeah. against his will because of what Scorpius is telling him. Hmm. But you're saying that yes, Scorpius is telling him what to do, but it's the chip in his head that's making him want to, to do it. Yeah. It's not super clear from watching the show. And and season three will, I I think, help with that. Here's another pop culture reference for you. Go on. Why does it always have to be spiders? (laughs) Yeah, two episodes in short thing have spiders eating the ship. Uh, Part of me wonders, is that a, a CG thing? They had the model for the very small spiders from Beware of the Dog, so they just made them bigger 
cut down the population and made them metal and oh look we've suddenly got the metal ship eating spiders (laughs) and it's the same sort of cg model (laughs) i don't like spiders and i don't like that they were eating moya and i don't like that they had to burn moya to save her yeah it made me very sad yeah there's a bit of cg from outside the ship where you see moya on fire oof that's hard pilot screaming Mm. because he could feel the pain too that that was hard. It was hard to watch. I didn't like, though, later, Zan and Rigel, after they were successful and they got the money, and they no longer needed the money for Jothy. And so Zan is, like, yelling at Rigel for being greedy and everything, and Rigel says, well, we're going to use the money. You know, we're all going to pick just one or two things, and we're going to use the money to pay a healer to heal Moya, mm. which I think is great. But during that conversation, Zan basically blamed their greed for why they burned Moya. And that's not true to what actually happened. And so I was a little upset at that because it wasn't their greed. They were robbing the bank to get the money so they could buy Jothy back. Yeah. That's not greed. Yeah. That's not greed. I'm sorry. No. And and so it and, and I don't know if that's just guilt on Zan's part because she's the one who actually did it and she feels such a connection to Moya. Mm. But I I just I didn't like it. Yeah, slightly sloppy writing, perhaps. Hmm. Yeah, it was inconsistent. There's a lot of inconsistency in this season, and I think that's why I don't love it the way I loved the first season. Okay. And yes, I did cry over Moya being burned, by the way, just so you guys know. Like, actual tears. That's good. It means means the show is working and delivering the uh, the emotive things you like from a show. Suppose it is. Yeah. So I have a couple of random points to talk on before we get into some of our favorite bits farscape i I wanted to point this out to you because this is a good point as we go into further seasons farscape has repeat actors doing a lot of not not a lot of roles people who come back in different roles or get to to voice different things um i wanted to call a couple out to you uh, so you can spot them as we go forward okay the two big ones jonathan hardy who played the the god okay moya's god you know the guy in all the Mm -hmm. smoke that's the voice of Rachel. Really? It is. He got he got one actual live action appearance, and that's okay. as well as God. Yeah, which is very that's nice. That's great. But the other one like that that is worth pointing out is Lani Chupu, who plays Krace, is the voice of Pilot. No. He is. And they're such different characters. And now you know, as you watch, you will spot it every so often. There's a slight clipness to him that you go, oh, that's so like Krace. He's always been Pilot. Why didn't you tell me that in the first season? Because I was waiting for season two. Because this is a good time to talk about this subject. Okay. Wow. No. I. Yeah. That's... Wow. Like, that blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. You, we keep mentioning the great actors. Lani Chupu is really good at what he does. For, for anyone who's read the Discworld series, he would have been, at this point in time, my vote for uh, Lord Vethanari. He is the perfect look for it, which is one of the uncastable parts out there. <laughs> There's a couple of minor characters that are worth pointing out as well. The chap who plays the Scaron and some of the Sheyangs is the same chap, and he will actually come back again and again and again in the Scaron heads. Like I said, evolving each time, making the characters a bit better. That's Thomas Holesgrove. And there's an actress called Melissa Jaffa. We didn't mention Vitas Mortis, but she was the old Luxon at the beginning, and mm. she played the female pilot in The Way We Weren't. And she will actually be back as a regular character in a future season. Um, and she recently had a role in, in yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> you know, I constantly try to find relevant images or GIFs and things like that. And 
so when I put up the the season one episode, I ended up having to ask you to find a picture yeah. because all the pictures I were finding were from future seasons. And also scrolling through on the on the YouTube channel trying to get to the next episode that I need to be at, you see the thumbnails for all of the episodes. And so there was a character that I haven't met yet that I kept seeing with red hair. And so now I'm like, oh, well, that's probably her then. Hashtag no comment. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but it makes sense. The last one I want to mention is an actress called Francesca Buller. Uh, do you remember in Look at the Princess, the small servant who betrayed John mm-hmm. and was going to be killed by Scorpius and ends up killed by John? The one that had the really, really annoying voice and talked like this? Exactly. She yes. was the bone creature from Bone to be Wild. Oh, she's yeah. somebody. Isn't she somebody? She's somebody's daughter or wife? And she is Ben Browder's wife. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. And she will be back in two more different parts <laughs> in future seasons. Cool. Yeah, her voice I, I was driving me crazy. As we go. Yeah, she's very good at that, exactly that character, sort of wiry, uh, high-pitched. Not quite Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but yeah, energetic. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> manic Pixie Dream Alien? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> manic... <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> we also talked about the opening monologue and the theme tune. Did you did you notice them this time? Did you take in the John Quinn and Ashton? I did. I listened to it every time just for you. <laughs> and you want to know what's really funny? Mm. The way that he says astronaut seems completely normal to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Is it just his, his eccentric or, or excessive southern accent? It's just his accent, yeah. It sounds completely normal to me. <laughs> He accentuates his own. I'm an astronaut. Love it. No, he doesn't. I'm an astronaut. He does not say it that quick. You are lying, Mandy K. Ottaway. (laughs) (laughs) When I hear it, that's how I hear it. It sounds completely normal. And it makes me laugh that that we hear it so differently. But I really liked your uh, impression of it last time. Um, Season three will change the monologue. And I think even the tune changes a little bit. Good. I don't like that song. Tune. Oh, the, like the, song. the tune is generally the same, but uh, it, it is a little different. But it's worth listening to the monologue from here on out. It's really nice. I like it. Okay. Do you have any favorite performances, scenes, moments, things of the show that you wanted to call out? All of the performances in the Body Switch episode were yeah. spectacular. Yeah. I, I honestly think those are probably my favorite performances mm. just because they were so funny. <laughs> But so on point. I mean, they nailed it. Each one of them, they did. Like, yeah. watching Rigel in a human body, you were watching Rigel in a human body. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you weren't watching Ben Browder do an impression of Rigel. Like, you were seeing Rigel if he had a human body. It was great. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. Because every character has such a strong accent and mannerism to them. It's easy to do that, but it must also be really hard to hammer down the... Tennessee accent or the English accent or whatever accent Gianna has. <laughs> well, and they, they played it so straight. Like, mm. I don't know how they did it without laughing. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, it was it was great. I would be amiss if I didn't say I got really, really, really excited when John Crichton mentioned Buffy the Vampire Slayer. When I get back, everyone Dad, DK, my sisters, Cameron Diaz, Buffy the Vampire Slayer will be dead. Yep. (laughs) 
I like did like my thoughts started being in all caps at that moment because I got really excited because I like it when people like <laughs> things that I like and it was great. I mean, it, it didn't have anything to do with anything, but it was still great. Yeah, it's really nice. It makes you feel like you're in the world that they're in. What I mean is that the idea that, yes, he set off in 1999 when Buffy was pretty big. <laughs> so yeah. it's a you know, significant thing to mention because everyone watching at that time will probably have, particularly watching this show, will probably have watched Buffy. Right. Yeah. I think you have more favorite moments than I do. So why don't we go through your list? I've already called out a, a couple of them. And actually, when you're talking about the, the body swap and how the actor is each other, Ben Browder acting as Scorpius in the Scorpius makeup and costume, he hammers that down so well. And apparently they actually had to change the makeup because they, they gave him the exact Scorpius makeup, basically, the, the whiteness and the paleness and the cheeks. And the director of that day couldn't tell the difference between the two actors. <laughs> Because he had it down <laughs> so well, amazing. so they they actually went back and redid that day's shooting with a, a more pink makeup to to make sure it was differentiated for everyone. And apparently there is there was even a, a UK magazine at the time that printed a picture of Ben Browder as Scorpius, but credited it to Wayne Pygram. <laughs> he did look. It was I noticed that the only difference between him and Scorpius was that he retained John Crichton's skin tone. Yeah, but he still had the the puck marks and the texture and mm. and the cheekbones and. The eyes, those eyes full of, like, deep malice. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he had it down. He did. So, but I would, I think I would really like to see him with the the white skin mm. to see really how much, like, Scorpius he looked. It, it was creepy. Yeah. I didn't like it, but that's because I don't want my good guys to be bad guys. <laughs> and I said that I loved A Clockwork Nabari. There's so much in that that's just so good. John, John, as a surfer dude, where he's like, it'll totally screw the pooch, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> like, it means nothing. It's up there with like gleaming the cube. It means nothing, but it's a terrific phrase. Yeah. Pilot swearing, where he says, I want to get rid of this frelling collar. And John, a little bit later, says, keep cussing, man. Oh, I think I missed that. <laughs> But the best line from that episode is Rigel admits that he's not he's not mind cleansed. You, me, and Pilot were the only ones who aren't the Bari puppets. I'm nobody's puppet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then in The Ugly Truth, where you have the Plakovians, but John keeps calling them Placovoids. And to the extent that when he's reciting what happened, everyone in the scenes that he's that we've seen over and over and over again from everyone talking through these scenes suddenly everyone starts calling them the black avoids yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's a really nice detail for that perspective shift that, yeah. that we were talking about earlier yeah, exactly pretty great really good and it, it ties in because he did that with the i think they're called tablex and he called them like tabloids or something in the first right. season and it's exactly the same joke, but again, carried off really nicely. So is there anything else that we need to talk about with Farscape Season 2? Um, probably not for Season 2, but Season 3, given you didn't enjoy this so much or, or as much as you had the, the first one, do you want to continue with Season 3? Or do we now shift and watch Community or Parks and Rec or something different? Well, I wasn't super excited about it, but now I have to know <laughs> what's going on with Aaron. So I have to watch Season 3, whether we continue to do it on the show is i guess up for grabs okay but i'm gonna watch it one way or the other okay because i need to know <laughs> if i'm a heartless bitch and should have cried because aaron died okay but i still don't think she did okay 
Which segues nicely. Yeah, do you have any predictions other than Aaron's clearly not dead because who would hold a funeral that long and have a piece of music for Aaron? <laughs> well, how was I supposed to know the music was called Requiem for Aaron? Okay. I'm not allowed to look stuff up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I, I don't think I have predictions other than I, I don't think Aaron is dead except your reaction is now making me rethink that and I think she is dead and then I don't, I don't know like my brain is crazy right now like I okay. feel like my side your side my side your side <laughs> that's where I'm at right now and like I totally understand Stark in this moment because I don't know what to do <laughs> that's where I am okay so let's take a break from Farscape and let's talk a little bit about the listener feedback we've had recently. Alan, Chipper Alan, he said the last Farscape episode, so we are going to talk about Farscape again. Um, the last Farscape episode was a fun pop culturally deprived, but now he just wants to hear you and me talk about Star Wars perhaps constantly. How much Star Wars chat do you have in you, Mandy? Probably not as much as you guys would like. <laughs> but we can try. I mean, we did have some Star Wars talk in this episode, too. It wasn't very much, but it was there, so. Yeah, th- this uh, season is much more Star Wars than Star Trek. And it's one of the things that I love about it. Star Trek would never do running gun battles with huge people being mowed down. They even tried it in Enterprise, and it just never comes off. It's not that show. Uh, but yeah. Farscape being prepared to do that is much more fun. I actually called the Peacekeeper Stormtroopers in my notes yeah. this time, because the way they marched, and they were doing like the little running marches, all in their covered head-to-toe, and yeah. their armor, I mean... They were totally stormtroopers. <laughs> I have a lot of Star Wars chat in me. I read so many of the books and played so many of the games, and I love talking about Star, Star Wars. So, yeah, anyone hit me up. If you want to hear my thoughts on Mara Jade or Anakin Solo or Jaina Solo, let's do it. Oh, Anakin Solo. That's one of the few books I've cried at. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Laura Stewart Berry was relieved that Mandy didn't also fall to the charms of Monty Python. She says, love what you love and all. But really. 100% with you, Laura. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And Kendo Cat also backed up that opinion. She said, Mandy, not all Brits love the Holy Grail. I think I enjoyed Matthew's excitement while we watched it more than I enjoyed the film itself. So it's not universally loved. Yeah, I suspect had I been in that room, I would have felt the same way. Like, I would have enjoyed those 90 minutes far more than I did because I would have been entertained at you giggling. Yeah. Or quoting or, or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was that you did. That would basically what our, our podcast episode was. It was basically <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, see, now I could do that. I could, I could totally get behind that. Yeah. If yeah. you do want to get in touch and give us your comments on this or any other movie we've discussed, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can also email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com or you can comment on this post on the website eloquentgushing.com. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Matthew Vose. And I'm at Mandy Kay. Please also remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really is the best way to help people discover the show. If you do review us, let us know. We're always excited to say thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about The Dark Knight. And on the third Tuesday in June, we'll talk about Farscape Season 3. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And I will not be a slave to your hormones. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.